Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And the Pittsburgh Steelers just keep on winning, relying on what everybody says is unreliable with another fourth quarter heroic comeback victory for the Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, we're going to talk about that today and much more. Let's get into it. So first and foremost, let's talk about the injuries. Cole Holcomb, man, that was gruesome. He's going to be out for the year. He's going to need surgery, but this is going to be a huge blow for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's the green dot guy. He was a guy that was in charge of everything. I mean, he was putting everybody in position, had the play calls, a whole nine yards. And to be honest with you, I thought he was playing very well. You know, early on in the season, there was some concerns and whatnot, not just with him, but the entire middle linebacker crew. Totally, basically, in my opinion, because they were just new. And they needed to build chemistry. They needed to learn each other. You know, communication was maybe perhaps lacking early on. And maybe that's why the Steelers lost the way they did to the San Francisco 49ers. And the defense looked as the way they did. But as each game progressed, I felt that Cole Holcomb and the entire team and the entire defense had, you know, seemed to be playing better. And I felt that the Steelers were starting to give, you know, younger players more opportunities. And maybe that also had something to do with why, you know, this team has been playing better and the defense has been getting better as well. But, you know, it's an unfortunate loss. You know, my thoughts and prayers go out to you, Cole Holcomb. I hope you have a speedy recovery and we'll see you back next year. It's just unfortunate, but, you know, we'll see you next year, my man. I was at this game. It was a fun game. It was, it was a great atmosphere. The fans were waving the terrible towels. It was awesome. I mean, it was just an awesome atmosphere. I, I go a few times, but I will say it was it was very cold for me. I, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm from Texas, so it was a little bit different from what I'm accustomed to. So, But it was fun. It was great. And I got to see the Pittsburgh Steelers win. So it's just another one for me to go out and put on the win column, right? But I've been traveling, and I haven't seen – the TV airing of the of the game. I, I haven't watched any of the film or anything like that. So I'm only going based off of my memory and recollection of the game that I saw live from the end zone. And, you know, what I've found as far as like the biggest debate that's been going on, whether it's on, you know, the talking heads on mainstream media, sport beat writers or, you know, Facebook commenters is, you know, who who's a better quarterback, Will Levis or, or Kenny Pickett? And for one, I don't care. Two, there's more than just talent that goes into being a great player. I mean, if it was just mere talent, like how fast and how hard you can throw the ball and how far, and then, you know, you would see a lot of these, you know, quarterbacks that were physically gifted in that manner win more games and, and win Super Bowls. And you wouldn't see the Tom Brady, you know, of the world who ne- didn't necessarily have, you know, the greatest arm or any of that thing, that stuff, the intangibles, but had it up of the shoulders he was very smart knew what he was reading and knew where to go with the ball so another quarterback that probably didn't wow you athletically Payne Manning so you don't necessarily need to be that now does it come in handy yet and I think that the dude Will Levis he's got an arm he's got a cannon and I thought he played act I thought he threw the ball accurately I thought that he 
it played well in the pocket and given how much pressure he was under and how many of his offensive line were swapped in and out due to injury. Uh, I think he's going to be an all right player in this league if he can continue this. But as Tennessee Titans know, you know, Will Levis got four touchdowns last year. You know, so did Marcus Mariota in his rookie debut. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, one a career is not made in a single game. But what Will Levis didn't have that Kenny had, so to speak, was that clutch factor, that it factor, that when the pressure is on because the game is on the line, Kenny Pickett will get the ball in the end zone one way or the other. Levis put the ball in Quan Alexander's hands and ended the game for the, for the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, he's a rookie. It's only a second game. Who knows how he's going to play or progress. But when it comes to Kenny, I don't know. Obviously, he didn't have the best of games. He wasn't throwing it very accurately. He was overthrowing guys. I don't necessarily think that he wasn't making, from my angle, it didn't sound or seem like he was making a lot of misreads. I thought he was reading the field very well. I just thought that his accuracy was a bit of a question mark, right? But he's, there's some context that's needed, right? You know, he's got some ribs that are hurt. He's got, a, I think they're, bruised ribs, which can be as painful, if not more painful than having fractured ribs from what I've heard. And he's out there. He's got a shot. You know, he went out there the first drive. Pittsburgh Steelers go get a tutty touchdown. And we haven't seen that all season. Right. And then as the game progressed, I think the shot wore off and you can kind of see towards the end of the game that he wasn't really chucking the ball as far down the field. And I don't know if that was because they were trying not to lose the game, which was what I was feeling like in the, in, during the game. I felt like the Steelers kind of turned into a let's not lose the game instead of let's go out there and win the game. You know, maybe perhaps that wasn't the mindset. Maybe perhaps that shot that Kenny Pickett got before the game maybe started to wear off a little bit and he was feeling the hits and, and the cold and the whole nine yards. And I think that had a lot to do with his accuracy throughout the game. You know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, what about the uh, times before this? You know, he was very inaccurate before this game. And I agree that there was some signs of that, but I do feel that as each game progressed, I thought, his accuracy and his reading of the field got better. One of the things that I felt that he struggled with earlier this season, earlier this season was reading the defense, especially in zone. It just seemed like there were times also where he would see a concept and it worked and the player that he's staring at, the player he's supposed to throw the ball to. And either there was a few times where he just didn't, he panicked and ran and got sacked. And I'm seeing less and less of that throughout these games. So he is progressing. You know, he has these fourth quarter heroics where if you go and look at all NFL players or, or quarterbacks right now in the league, Kenny Pickett's top three in fourth quarter under stats, you know, his rating, his touchdowns, maybe not how many touchdowns, but his QBR, all those things, he's it's up there. I think he's ranked third or something like that. So he can do it. He can do it then. We saw that he was able to do it on the first drive of this pre of this past game against the Tennessee Titans. So I think that that means that he's going to be able to do it throughout the game eventually. You know, the consistencies part is what's going to need to increase. Now, is he going to bat a thousand? Is every, dra uh, every drive that he comes out on going to end up with points on the board? No, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. But I do think that some of these layups are, are going to be completed. I mean, you had George Pickens that he overthrew by like four or five feet in the air. And had he caught that ball, you know, in front of him and, you know, running towards the sideline, you know, there's only one person that I think that could probably tackle him. And there's a receiver down there, you know, able to block this one cornerback that could have the opportunity to get, get him. But 
George Pickens has shown a knack that once he has the ball in his hands, he effortlessly, effortlessly gets into the end zone. Well, at least it appears to be effortlessly. And, you know, he just kind of makes a move here, makes a move there with the ball in his hand. And the next thing you know, he's in the end zone. It don't look like he's juking or moving fast or all this other stuff. But, you know, looks can be deceiving. I'm pretty sure he's out there making a lot of people miss. But overall, you know, Kenny Pickett, I think he did better. As for, you know, I think some of the decisions that Kenny was making was better. Uh, I do think the accuracy was a little bit of a concern, you know, on Thursday night. But he's got 10 days. Let's see how he does against Green Bay. If it's something similar, then, you know, you're going to have to ask yourself some questions because, you know, some of these throws that he's missing are are throws that an NFL quarterback should. Make. You know, he had at George Pickens one, he had the, uh, the underthrow to Calvin Austin. That could have been a uh, big gain, if not a touchdown as well. He had a couple of high balls to Deontay Johnson. You know, if those basically are executed correctly, this team is looking different. I mean, you can even go back as last week, first play. Deontay Johnson drops a pass that could get him in the end zone, you know, for the first time. But speaking about Deontay Johnson, man, did he get that monkey off his back? You know, he finally got that touchdown. It's been what, two years, two seasons? I think the last time he caught a touchdown, the passer was Ben Roethlisberger. Great design, great play, great moment for him. I, it happened in the end zone that I sit in. So I had a pretty good view of the uh, reception and good for him. He needed it. He looked so relieved i mean two guys looked very relieved during this game matt canada after the first drive yontay johnson after he scored that touchdown you know he was i'm happy for the guy i'm glad he was able to get in there he should have had several touchdowns throughout this time there was several opportunities where he either sometimes dropped the ball or just didn't get it in you know got tackled at the one or whatever finally got it in good for him now that that's not something that's on his mind like i need to score a touchdown i haven't scored one in years and you can just focus on catching the ball and doing the things that he needs to do to make sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers win. Yeah, I think I think the Steelers are going to be all right with that position. Well, with at least Deontay. George Pickens on the other side, there's going to be a little bit of concern for this guy. He's been acting a fool, in my opinion. You know, he went on Instagram and basically removed all his Steeler pictures and unfollowed every Steelers player, including Coach T. And then he posted up some kind of highlight reel that said, free me. Kind of sounds like Antonio Brown did to the, uh, well, the then Oakland Raiders, you know, when he kind of like got out of that contract, which probably was a pretty big mistake for him financially, but he got himself out of that contract. He was telling people to free him, you know, come get him the whole nine yards. Right. And well, George Pickens, you know, there's been those compa comparisons going on this year. And now he goes and pulls a stunt like this and does those type of things. That's not looking good for you, my man. I mean, I get it. You're frustrated. You haven't had the games that you've wanted. You know, maybe perhaps the ball hasn't been there in, a, in the way it should be. I don't know. But it's not all on just, you know, the play calls with the quarterback. You had an opportunity, George, to get your get a touchdown pass. But obviously, I, I personally couldn't see how close he was or how far away from the sideline when he couldn't toe tap in to the end zone. It was on the opposite end zone. But from what I'm hearing, it was well within the ability of George Pickens to have put his foot down, but he didn't. He didn't. And so he didn't. He ended up with what, like two catches with negative yardage? And I get it. It's unfortunate and it sucks. But going out there and pulling a stunt like that doesn't help you because, you know, that's just going to drive your stock down. That drives your stock down as far as who's going to want to trade for you because the Steelers aren't going to give you up for nothing. So you're going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler for the remaining of this year. And I get it. They have their say. And, you know, we want volunteers, not hostages. And, and George might be trying to pull that card. Steelers are not going to just 
cut a second round pick, uh, George Pickens, and just let him go like that. No. One, he's going to have to either just kind of turn that frown upside down and learn to be a team player. And he'll get dealt in the offseason. You know, we'll see. Either way, I think that it'll benefit the Steelers. You know, if he's the kind of guy that ends up being a cancer or a toxic person, you don't want that in your you don't want that in your locker room. You know, go find another receivers. You know, there's so many that come out of the draft each year that, you know, yes, you're probably not going to find one that has the, you know, the catch radius and the body control as George Pickens. But, you know, at what cost does that come with? If he's out there throwing his fits, you know, and the Steelers scored a touchdown when Deontay Johnson got his first touchdown in two years, you know, he's on the sideline trying to like apparently console George Pickens. Like, come on now, man, like grow up, be a little bit mature. I get it. You want the ball. You want the ball. Everybody wants the ball. Do what you're supposed to do, and eventually it'll come your way. But in another battle, Najee versus Jalen Warren. You know, honestly, I don't even think that should be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. It should be Najee and Jalen Warren. Why does everybody want to, you know, put these guys against each other and say, oh, this guy should be number one, this guy should be number two, this guy should get more play. They're doing well together. They're meshed really well. They're, the the differences in their running abilities is keeping defenses on their toes. You know, they run very different styles, so they have to they have to practice and anticipate the two different styles of running uh, based on the running back that is in. You know, I, I like what Warren is doing, and I don't know if he's the bell cow or if you want to use these running backs as a bell cow. You know, that's kind of not been a thing in the NFL anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's It's been more of a committee type of thing for the most part. I mean, yeah, you have some outliers that, you know, will have, a, you know, the Derrick Henrys of the world, right? Where you're just going to you know, feed that one guy and just kind of live on his shoulders, right? It doesn't have to be that way for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They can have both of them and have a one-two punch. In fact, I've seen both of them on the field at the same time. We can cry about Naj and him if he's worth the, you know, a first round grade or not, but there's nothing anybody can do about that. Put the, put them out there and in their position to put your players in position to do well and let them both do what they do best without putting added pressure of being running back one, running back two, who cares? It's running back by committee. And that's what most of the NFL is doing right now. And it's the smartest decision. You know, the Steelers have relied on bell cow running backs in the past. And when those bell cow running backs got hurt, they put the Steelers in some compromising positions and where and affected their overall goal of winning a Super Bowl and did not happen, obviously. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk more about uh, some of the offensive players, and then we're going to switch over to the defense. Don't go anywhere. We're just going to have a few words from our sponsor. Hey, look at that. You made it back to the other side. Thank you for joining me. I'm Daniel. This is Still Curtain Network. This is the state of the Steelers where we're talking about how the Pittsburgh Steelers just keep on relying on unreliable ways of winning winning football games and win over the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night. But before we get back into it, I want to remind you guys of our website, stillcurtainnetwork.com, your one-stop shop for football news and coverage. Go check it out. You get up-to-date news on all your Pittsburgh Steelers uh, information that's out there. That way, you're up-to-date with the m- most recent news when your friends and family ask, how are the Steelers doing? Let's get back into this. So 
one player that I thought played really, really good on offense. And I think this guy is a guy that just just can't take off the field. And that's Broderick Jones. I mean, he he has not allowed any pressures when he's out there. He switched from one side to the other. He was on the left tackle. Last time he was on the field with the starters as the starting tackle. Now he moves over to the right side. Now there's been a little bit of controversy as to why. Tomlin said he wanted a spark, so changed out the right tackle. Cheeks core for after the game tells reporters that it had something to do with something he said at the end of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game that basically got him demoted. And what I like about what Broderick Jones was able to you know do for the Pittsburgh Steelers is, I mean, he was getting up to the second level. He was dominating, you know, the, the defensive player that was opposite of him. It didn't look like a rookie out there. He looked like a veteran. He looked like he knew what he was doing. And I applaud him. I mean, like I said, he was able to be versatile to move from one side to the next. Chuk said that he said something after the game, but who knows what really happened. All I know is that Broderick Jones, man, he did really well. He outperformed, in my opinion, both when he was on the left side, he you know, performed a starting left tackle and Dan Moore. And on the right side, I thought he performed and outperformed the starting right tackle and Chicks Corfort. Now, will Chicks Corfort stay sidelined? I don't know. I don't know. You know, is it is it possible that if, if it's the if it's the spark that the team needed, I don't think so. Now, if it's some sort of disciplinary thing like Chicks Corfort alludes it to be, then maybe not. Maybe he does, you know, Chicks does come back and unfortunately Broderick would go to the bench, which I think would be a huge mistake. You know, I think that Broderick Jones outperformed the left tackle and Dan, and Dan Moore when he was out there and Chicks Corfort on the right side as the right tackle. Now, the question is going to be is, is Dan Moore a better left tackle than Jukes score for a better right tackle? And if that's the case, which I think the Steelers do think so, then you're going to bench the right tackle and put in Broderick Jones. Now, I think Broderick, you know, is he better on the left side, better on the right side? I don't know. I think he's done well on both sides. And I think that that left side is probably going to end up being his position at the end of the end of the season or maybe the start of next season. You know, that's why the Steelers drafted him where they drafted him. And man, he's a stud. He's a, he's a, he's a guy. Now, the one thing he needs to do is not get that personal foul penalty in that moment. I mean, that was that was huge. You know, it ended up costing the Steelers 15 on the uh, this was on a uh, this was on an extra point attempt. So it ended up costing the Steelers 15 on the kickoff. And because of that, the Titans, you know, kick returner ended up returning the ball to the 50 yard line with just over two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They have a guy named Derrick Henry who can run the ball and run out that time. And if they get in the end zone with no time left, it, it's over, obviously. And that was one of the concerns that I had. But the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to stop them on fourth down and taking over possession. Now, I didn't really like what they did at that moment. You know, they kind of went a little bit too conservative for me. You know, I felt that they should have probably passed the ball. I honestly thought they should have passed the ball on first down. You know, there was two minutes and six seconds left on the clock. You know, you drop back, you throw the ball, you know. As long as you're going at least six seconds, the clock's going to stop regardless. So even if you drop the ball, you're going to still be uh, two minutes because of the two-minute warning. So I thought in that moment it was an opportunity to maybe throw the ball and gain some, maybe do a little play-action pass, gain a couple, maybe five yards or so, make it second and manageable and third and manageable. Instead, you know, they hand the ball off, which isn't really necessarily not the bad idea but it didn't go for anyone i think it lost two yards then it was a two-minute warning get back out there you run the ball again i think you gained two yards in that in that run so you're back to third and 10 or third and 11 if i think it was right i think it was third and 11 and you run the ball again what does that say you know is it does that say you have a lot of confidence in your defense yeah maybe the Titans were moving the ball up and down the field 
they didn't get in the end zone obviously very often, but they were able to move the ball up and down. I just I just didn't get it. I, I thought they could have thrown the ball and it not really cost them anything. Run the ball the next two times. Hopefully it's in manageable down distance to the point where they could get a first down and just nail the game off. But it didn't happen that way. The Titans utilized all their timeouts appropriately and stopped the Steelers on three back-to-back-to-back running plays, which ignited the Fire Canada chance in Aquashore Stadium. They weren't prevalent until that moment. I hadn't even heard them. You know, I was surprised. I think I think everybody was surprised after the first drive, fourth quarter, and, and everybody was booing us. And, and, and in my opinion, I think it was because they ran the ball in a situation where it was very unlikely that they were going to get the first down. It was almost as if they were just giving up the drive and, and just were going to punt the ball, you know, while taking as many uh, timeouts as they possibly can from the Tennessee Titans. But yeah, I just think that Broderick Jones needs to be on the field, whether it's right or left. I, I, keep him on the right side. That's what I would do. You know, make that side dominant and you have James Daniels, Broderick Jones, and then every now and then you'll get Darnell Washington, who, by the way, got a reception uh, during this game. Bravo to him. I think he should be more involved. I think it was a third down uh, play action pass. And when they threw it to him and he had to truck somebody and get through him to get to the first down. I just don't understand why they don't utilize those type of plays with a man his size in the red zone. I just feel that it would make an easier conversion. But let's switch over to the defensive side real quick. You know, we had the return of Cam Hayward. How huge was that? You know, the running team that the Tennessee Titans are, they weren't really able to get it going. I think they had one game, one run where it probably could have gone possibly the distance. But fortunately, the uh, I think it was Casey tripped up Derrick Henry because he had nothing but green grass in front of him. And so if it weren't for that, you know, trip up, it, the game may have ended up differently. But Cam Hayward back. Look great out there. You know, he, it, I think it was reported or said that he was only going to take like 10, 20 snaps and like that ended up playing like 40 and looked like he looked like Cam. He looked good. He didn't look like the, uh, the, the groin injury affected his play at, you know, at this point and, and it looked like he made a full recovery. So I, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy. We need him in the defensive front. And I felt that the pressure on Will Levis was phenomenal, tremendous. And Maybe perhaps it had a lot to do with the fact that Cam Hayward is out there. The opposition couldn't utilize as many double teams as they'd like. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Cam Hayward returns. Welcome back, my man. Welcome back. And like I mentioned, one of the other players that could be benefiting from this is none other than TJ Watt. Man, did you see that no helmet sack? That was awesome. I know somebody put it on Twitter. Uh, They kind of like, you know, edited, I guess, TJ Watt's no helmet sack and Apparently, J.J. Watt had a no-helmet sack one time, and it was pretty cool to see. I think T.J. Watt was, I mean, I think the defense was just ready to play. And, you know, was it because it was prime time, all the lights on them, everybody watching? Maybe, yeah. But it could it also have been because the offense went down the field and scored a touchdown. You know what I mean? Now you have, like, this less pressure to go make a touchdown yourself. Even though, you know, that's something that they're probably putting pressure on themselves anyways. They want to make it interception and a splash play and take it to the distance but i digress but i will say this tj he looked like himself you know in the last couple of games he just you know i talked with shannon white about it on the hangover which by the way gonna be coming out on monday make sure you go check that out it's me and shannon white we talk about the steelers on the last previous game we'll do another little post game thing you don't want to miss it you know speaking about tj i felt like he kind of looked like himself me and shannon been talking about it he's been moving back and forth you know was it because Certain teams were triple covering him and they wanted to make it so they didn't know where he was going to line up. Yeah, that's possible. Well, I also thought that there was a chance maybe he had something lingering. You know, there were, he came out on the injury report not too long ago 
with a heel injury. Not sure what the heel injury is about, but, you know, maybe perhaps if it's on his foot where he, you know, propels or launches himself out of his stance, I can see how that could affect him to the point where he wouldn't want, where he would want to line up on the opposite side to be more of a disruptive player. And in this game, it just seemed like he was ready to go. I mean, this entire defense did. They ended up sacking Will Levis four times for 27 yards. Constant pressure, constant pressure. And I think Cam Hayward's return had a lot to do with it. I really, really do. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited about those guys. And it's unfortunate, like I mentioned at the top of the show about Cole Holcomb. You know, I think Quan Alexander is going to have to step up with the green dot, and I think he will. And I, and I don't think this defense is going to be hurting as much as, you know, like or as obvious as Cam Hayward or T.J. Watt. You know, when T.J. Watt goes down, the Steelers, I think they won one game, you know, with him. I think they're oh, I think, they're, I think they only won one game and tied another one, I think, without T.J. Watt in the, in the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, those two guys are well needed. Mika Fitzpatrick is another guy that he's he's on the injury list as well with a hamstring. You know, they didn't IR him, so I'm hoping that he'll be able to be a go relatively soon. I mean, this is the guy that wanted to come back and play, was it like 24, 36 hours after an appendectomy? He's a tough guy. If he wants to play, he's going to try to find his way to play. But, you know, once he comes back in, I think this defense is going to really start to cook. You know, once once Mika comes back. And one of the reasons is I think the Steelers got a guy on the outside, Joey Porter Jr. You know, so far, he's just been playing phenomenal. I think this last week, he basically, from what I understand, is ask, ask Coach T if he could cover DeAndre Hopkins. He wanted to cover him, and he moved with him on all parts of the field. He wasn't just the right side or just the left corner. He was on both sides. He mirrored him, and he shut him down to one catch. No interceptions. I think he's playing great. Now, does he need to work on anything, like maybe tackling? Yeah, 100%. But it I think he can get away with his lack of tackling if he has really good coverage and just the ability to get those splash plays, right? The interceptions. But I really do think this is a guy that the Steelers have struggled with drafting and developing cornerbacks for, his, for a while. And it's really good to see that they may have gotten that monkey off their back as well with, with Joy Porter Jr. Now, I know it's it's early. It's early. And, you know, he's only had a few games as a starter, maybe two. And he's been in the majority of the games or he's participated in them. But sometimes there was little as 10 snaps. So it wasn't really like a huge role for him. And as the season developed and his play developed, he began to get more snaps. I think he was just part of one package early on. I think it was dime. And then he slowly started moving on to the point where now he's going to be the guy that's on the field the most. Now I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do you know, in the upcoming games. Teams are going to end up getting tape on him and going to try to you know, target his weaknesses and stay away from his strengths. That's just smart football. And it's going to happen. It's going to, that's when we're going to find out if he's going to be able to overcome that. And, you know, so far on what I've seen, I think he is. I mean, the guy is all over the place. Now, did he get up? I think he got a personal foul for hands to the face on like a third down that would have stopped the game. And now I get it. You know, you, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I don't think he was aiming to put his hand on the guy's face mask. I think what had occurred, he was, he was walking up and they snapped the ball. Um, before he was ready, which is his fault. He should have been prepared. But, you know, they snapped the ball before he was prepared, and he just put his hand up and he hit the guy in the, in the face mask. But overall, I think JPJ played very well. I think he's going to be a guy. I'm really excited about him. And the last thing I want to say about this last game is refs, you stink. Like, this was just horrible. I don't understand how 
so many bad calls can be made against the Steelers. It's insane. You know, going back to last week against Jacksonville, you know, the offside stuff and then going on to this week, it's just, it's amazing. Now, I know that there was, you know, the Steelers shot themselves in the foot with a bunch of those penalties, but, you know, it's not just the ones that the refs called. It's the ones that the refs didn't call. You know, they were calling roughing the passer on the Pittsburgh Steelers, but yet when Kenny Pickett was thrown or, you know, hit to the ground, they weren't doing that, for, you know, the same way. You know, I get it. You know, before they didn't really do that with Ben Roethlisberger because he was a mountain of a man. He was probably bigger than majority of the uh, outside edge rushers who were trying to tackle him or any type of corner blitz. It didn't work with with uh, Roethlisberger. But Kenny Pickett isn't Ben. He's not some six foot five, two hundred and 40 pound quarterback you know they were giving will levis you know ease the calls they were giving the steelers the personal foul calls and he's a bigger guy than kenny pickett you would have thought that the times that they just drove kenny pickett to the ground i think there was one where the ball was out of his hands and the defender took three steps and hit him and that wasn't called right in front of the ref right in front of the ref so you know when you see those type of things and then you know i i find it not too unbelievable why Deontay Johnson were saying that some of the things he was saying last week, but yeah, they, they just flat out stink. It just seems like these reps are just trying to insert themselves into the game. But there was one penalty that was super questionable as the, uh, I believe it was a pass interference on Joey Porter Jr. You know, the ref that threw that flag threw it super late and he was, he, the play had ended and Joey Porter was looking around and he was about to get up. And all of a sudden the referee just quickly, Grabs his grabs the flag and chucks it out there. And at first I was like, what is he doing that for? Because it was so late that I didn't think it had to do with what Joy Porter had done. To me, it almost looked like somebody said something in his ear like, hey, we need to keep this game closer. Throw a flag or something. That looked suspicious. It just looks suspicious. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, referee, the refs stink. And the fans at Agrishore let them know. They sure did. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. I'll be back on Monday with The Hangover with Shannon White. And then next Friday, we'll be talking about the Green Bay Packers and Pittsburgh Steelers game. You don't want to miss it. That being said, I'm Daniel with State of the Steelers from Steel Curtain Network. Peace. Like